going to be looking at uh, David after he has um, committed a great sin with Bathsheba, having her husband killed, uh, then uh, finding, of course, that they've lost the child that was conceived between he and Bathsheba and the extramarital affair happened and just all the things that were, were going on there. And now he uh, begins to really come before God and realizes that his only hope is God and his grace. So let's stand together as we look at Psalm 51. If you're visiting with us today, we do sit and stand a lot. Just, uh, we believe in exercise. So, so yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> so David knows of his guilt And he begins like this. He says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Before we go forward here, notice what David's not doing. David's not mentioning any of his accolades. He's not trying to convince God that he's worthy. David understands that he is guilty He's depending totally upon God. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. In other words, he has had this natural bent to sin, just as we have our whole life. He says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. And then he begins the process. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. David feels the weight of the world. He feels the weight of the guilt. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Aren't you thankful that God is still in the business of creating a clean heart, bringing us back? Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. By the way, that's done by taking ownership of your failures. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Father, we pray this morning that we would have a good understanding of what David is saying here and how we ourselves must look at the reality that we find sin easier 
than righteousness. We seek after righteousness. Unfortunately, sin comes naturally. Father, forgive us when we go to the natural things and we don't seek after the things that you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. The Hebrew here is the word for iniquity is sin, wickedness. It is this thing that has taken place that David says, listen, in in verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I've known sin since I was born. Before I was born, sin already ran in my family. It was natural. Sin is something that every one of us has to understand is, is a reality. It is something that is so real that um, we find it so natural, so easy to just do. Um, And that's why he said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Uh, You see, David was evil at his core. And he'd been that way since birth, even before birth. How many of you have watched your children act like you when they get mad? right? They get angry just like we get angry. They respond in life the same way that we respond in life. It wasn't something necessarily we had to teach them. It was just there. You see, no one has to teach a child to lie or be selfish, right? My wife teaches uh, a bunch of four-year-olds. I'm telling you, you don't have to sit down and say, all right, now y'all be mean to each other. Y'all go and steal each other's stuff. You, you go over here and, and you go slap this one. You go hit that one. She didn't have to tell them that because it is their natural way of thinking. They come by it naturally. They, they throw those temper tantrums naturally. It is something that you see. It is a part of who they are. And, and, and instead of not having to teach a child to lie or be selfish, rather we go to great lengths to teach children to tell the truth and put others first. That's just the way it is. Because our natural sense, our natural self, that sinner that's inside of us wants to come out in us. And so we're trying to teach correct behavior to a child who just wants to get angry. I may have shared this with you before, but I used to throw a fit a lot. I know that surprises y'all. Um, I know, trust me, it's a shocker. One day I was throwing a fit in, I believe, the grocery store. Probably would have been Piggly Wiggly or Brookshire Brothers. I don't know. Anybody remember Piggly Wiggly? Good. Some of y'all are from my neck of the woods. Some of y'all are like, what in the world is a Piggly Wiggly? What is that? It's like a good Brookshire Brothers. Okay. And I was throwing that fit down in the floor, and my mother got down on the floor beside me, and she said, I just stood up and looked at her like, what in the world are you doing? And she said, acting like you. But apparently that was the last time I threw a fit in the store. Sometimes we have to see ourselves for who we are. We're no good at the core. 
I'm so tired of people telling me how good they are. They've never read their Bible. <laughs> the Bible's very clear. We're not good. We're, we're natural born sinners. It's, it's so easy for us to sin. It's so easy for us to do those things. Again, we have to teach children how to tell the truth and how to put others first. Not very often do you ever see a child just walk over and hand a child a toy. Instead, they're usually going over there and grabbing the toy saying, I want that. And so if you have one of those children that grew up immediately knowing how to share and knowing how to put others first, wow, you have been blessed beyond measure. It's natural for us. That desire to do wrong comes easy. Because of the sin pattern that has been with us since Adam and Eve. Think about it. Adam and Eve, they sin. You read about their sin and then come chapter four. We're only four books into the Bible. And in chapter four, we have our first murder. One brother killing the other. Why? Because once sin started, it goes from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. David understood this. And he says, God, I recognize that I am a sinner. That's what he's saying in verse 5. What he is truly saying here is, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He's acknowledging the fact that he knows what sin is. He's acknowledging the fact that he has struggled with it. And then he says something else. He says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. How many of you, how many of you here think that you've done something that nobody else saw? You ever, you ever thought that before? Like nobody saw that. But somebody did. God did. He's the all-seeing God. He knows all things. He sees all things. He's aware of all things. God desires truth in those things that where we have tried to, to hide it. He says, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Those things where I think that nobody recognizes my sin, those things where I think nobody's paying attention, God is saying, I'm going to deal with your heart because it is a heart issue. And that's why David says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Why did God break the bones? Why did God break his spirit? Why did God put such a, a great um, shame upon David? Well, it's very simple because David is the clay and God is the potter. And when the, pot, when the clay is blemished, what the potter does, he doesn't just go in there, well, let me take this out. No, no, no. He goes in and he smushes the whole thing and he starts over. And David is saying, Lord, these bones that you've broken, mend them, put them back the way that you desire for them to be so that I can rejoice again. His guilt is so great that he asks God, he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And because of his broken heart, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
There are a lot of us in this room who we live in our shame. We live in our guilt. We live in the fact that we're just sinners and we've heard it all our life. Well, you're just human. Have you ever heard that before? You can't help it. You're just human. That's not the case for the Christian. You're not just human. You are born again with the spirit of God within us. Psalm 58, verse 3. Psalm 58 and verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Folks, I don't know if you've paid attention or not, but there's a lot of wickedness going on in our world today. And these folks have been this way since they were born. And instead of fighting it, they just received it. They just accepted it. That's like people tell me all the time, well, Brother Tom, what about those people that are born that way? Folks, we're all born that way. We are all born in sin. We are all born with this desire to do wrong and to do evil. That's what we're born with. I do not deny that people are born with that. I I don't have any issue. Here's the issue with, with what I do have. If you are a believer, you want to leave those things. You no longer want to be a part of that. We all have a natural tendency to sin. Something there in our life that has probably been passed to us from our parents or to something else. But we are all very natural sinners. We're good at it. But you got to fight it. And you can't fight it on your own. You've got to fight it by the Spirit of God. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Jesus pay it all? Because we are guilty. We are sinners. We have gone astray. Romans 5, 12 Therefore, justice through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because what? All have sinned. Every single one of us finds it natural to do this. We have followed the path of sin. We have followed this, and it just it's easy for us to do what is not right in the eyes of God. Why? Because it's a part of who we are. A lot of us never grow out of that two-year-old stage where when we don't get our way, we just absolutely throw a fit. Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetous, which is idolatry. How do I begin to fight this? First, I'm like David. I recognize that there is a sin problem. There is a sin pattern. How many of you have a, not just a sin problem, but a sin pattern? And you fall back to the same sin when certain things happen in life. Anybody in here have a temper problem? You get really angry really fast. No matter how quick and how hard you try, it's just that natural thing to come back and just get mad and get angry. We, we fall back into these patterns of sin. And so we find here, he says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. If, if Whatever sin you have in your life, let it be made known. Let somebody know, hey, when this happens in life, I have a sinful desire to go back and do these things. And I give you permission. I'm begging you to call me out on that when you see those patterns. 
No, nobody likes that, do they? Nobody wants to be called out, but a Christian understands I need boundaries. Somebody help me with boundaries and tell people what your struggles are. So whenever they begin to see those things in your life, they come into your life and say, hold up. Let me ask you a question. What are we doing? I see you getting angry. I see you you starting to pull away. I I see depression falling upon you. I, I see your mind wandering. I see you doing things that you weren't doing before. I see you hanging around the wrong people. We need to understand that we have to put to death the things that are causing us to sin. Sometimes that means you get rid of friends. There's nothing wrong with getting a good group of friends around you. That just may mean you have to get rid of some of the people you hang around with. Romans 8.3 says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ has given us victory. God has given us strength through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, as as Christians, we cannot use the excuse of, well, we're only human. Oh, he's just a boy. Oh, he's just a girl. Think about it. There are times that we celebrate sin because we think it's cute. I get it. I know. We've talked about it before, right? When that little kid looks at you and goes, no. Yo, they said no. Tell Paul no. Tell Mama no. And the next thing you know, they think it's cute to be disrespectful. What we have done is at times in our life, we celebrate things that are not righteous. We forget to crucify, and we forget to crucify the body because it's, it's dead. We don't want it any longer. We want that spirit of God to live within us. But yet we teach our children that it's okay to be cute and to be funny because we want laughter. We confuse our own kids because one day they're going to tell you no, and it's not going to be cute anymore, and what's going to happen? They're going to look at you like, what in the world? What happened? I used to be able to tell you no all the time. Yeah, but you're 13 years old now. It gets gets hard. It gets tough. Knowing Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Brother Tom, I, I get what you're saying. I can't use the excuse of I'm naturally that way. If I've been born again... There's something different. Yes, there is a battle plan in our life. There's a battle plan. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 23, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 23. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, the things that are 
tripping you up, the things that are, are weighing you down to gird up, they would grab hold of the, the, the lower part of their clothing and they would, they would raise it up so that they could run freely. You and I must learn to grab whatever is tripping us up, whatever is holding us back, whatever is causing us to be bent towards sin. We've got to deal with those things. Gird up the loins of your mind. It starts here. What you put in, what you allow in, what we watch, what we listen to. That's the things that we're having to gird up. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Folks, when you say that I'm only human, that is a sign that you do not understand that as a Christian, we are more than that. He is saying those are the, that's, that's the talk of ignorant people. That's the talk of people who didn't know Christ. That's the talk of people who didn't know about the work of Jesus upon the cross. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Did y'all catch that part? We have to be holy. If I'm a follower of Christ, then I should act like who? Christ. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Wednesday night, we discussed for a moment with our uh, young people, with our youth about obedience and what that looked like and, and, and really what was behind obedience, why we want to be obedient. And I found out that there, there's at least one of our children, our young men in, in, our, in our class that is perfectly good at obedience. We found that out. He, he let us know, uh, Tommy. But anyway, um, so, uh, but then I quickly asked the parents and they both said, yes, he's really good at lying. But anyway, um, so uh, no, they're wrong, aren't they, Tommy? They're, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's just looking back at him like, I don't get this. Now, obedience is something that uh, sometimes is a struggle. How many of you sometimes struggle with obedience? Just, just raise your hand just real quick. You struggle a little bit with obedience? That's good to know. I'm not alone. Um, neither are you, Tommy. So um, we understand this struggle. It's very real. It's, it's, it's there. But here's the motivation for obedience. I obey my parents, I obey my authorities, I obey those who have been put over me because I want to honor God with my obedience. That's our motivation. My motivation to do right and to do good is so that God is honored through my obedience even if I don't like those who are in authority over me. As a matter of fact, if I obey those that I don't like, then I'm showing them the love of Christ. We are called to be different. We are called to be holy as he is holy. Verse 17 says, if, if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Let me, let me share with you what that means. You don't get to stand before God and say, well, at least I'm better than so-and-so. God's going to judge you based upon your own works, not based upon anybody else's. And by the way, all our works are as, what does the Bible say? Filthy rags before the Lord. 
And if you call on the Father who's without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these last times for you. Who through him believe in God. Who raised him from the dead. And gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Yes, it's easy to sin. But I should hate the fact that it's so easy. I should absolutely hate the fact that it's so easy to lie to my parents, to deceive my parents, to deceive our spouse, to deceive our boss, to deceive those around us. It should bug us to no end. not redeemed with corruptible things but with the blood of Christ if I am a believer my goal is to walk in the same manner that Christ walked and when I fail which unfortunately will happen I come back with the same thing that David came back Lord God, cleanse my heart. Make me right because these bones that you have broken need to rejoice. Verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. This is the reason that I believe that there's a lot of lost people in church. Seriously. This is one of the main reasons I, as a pastor of four different churches for 26 years, there is a reason that I believe that there are a lot of lost people in our churches because very few people understand what it is to love somebody. Let me read this again. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. I've watched a lot of anger, and I even hate to use this word, but I've seen a lot of hatred within the church towards one another. And it's sad when you see this throughout the years. Listen, I am beyond blessed in this church. My wife and I can testify to that. We know, and I know Satan works his best to to divide us, but this is the most loving church. It is amazing how much love that you have for one another. And I'm thankful to see that. Let's see what else he says. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Here's what happens. I quit using the excuse of I'm only human. I quit enjoying sin. And I seek righteousness. By the power of the Holy Spirit. 
that was given to me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I should not be okay with sin. I should be broken over it. We all think we're hiding things. You're not hiding anything. God knows even the secret things that no one else knows about. And by the way, you should fear God a whole lot more than you fear your parents. And you fear your peers. He knows everything. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you have provided for us a way. A way, God, out of sin. You have told us there's always that way out. We just have to choose it. We have to go against what comes natural and choose what is supernatural. We must choose to live in the spirit, even if it hurts. We must choose to live by the word of God. Lord, I pray we would never be okay with sin. I pray that even these young children that are here would not be okay with treating parents and siblings bad. But that it would begin to bother them. Lord, I pray that for things that have been built upon lies, God, would just be broken. And people would fall upon their knees asking for forgiveness. Lord God, I just pray that you, you would break us so that we will cry out to you to put us back together properly. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name.